Welcome to episode 5 of the Local Runners Podcast, the podcast by runners, for runners. We are your hosts, I'm Dave Norman. I'm Gav Hill. I'm Callum Parkinson. And I'm Sean Morbison. We're going to kick this episode off with some feedback we've received from Mishka. Hello guys, again, love these podcasts and enjoying to listen to all your stories and tips. Just the buzzing noise makes me jump out of my chair now and then. Lol. I'm now working on my inflammation on my abductor longus to get back into the saddle. And I have to work again on my strength. But we'll get there again, ready for the Langdale Marathon in October. Great information concerning the nutrition intake before a race. Looking forward to the next episode. Stay safe, you all. Thanks for this, Misha. In the last episode, we heard from Andy Sykes, who's joined East Cheshire Harriers on the back of listening to the podcast. Hearing stories like this makes doing the podcast worthwhile. If you've any stories or feedback, please do get in touch. Now, onto the review of the races over the last two weeks. We had Sean doing the Cheshire Elite Marathon, and I did the Mid Cheshire 5K. I'll start with my review of the Mid Cheshire 5K. Bit of a disappointing race for me. Um, came into the race with a bit of a niggle in my calf and my hamstring. Uh, had a few e- easy days coming into the race, uh, hoping it might clear up, but yeah, just struggled with it from the start really, and uh, just couldn't run fast enough in the first mile to be able to run uh, the sort of time that I was hoping to run. So very disappointing 15.52 on a night when people seem to be running pretty decent times. Uh, Had hoped to improve on my 15.27 from podium, but it wasn't to be. So, uh, yeah, got got plenty of uh, things to work on. Duncan Mason, my physio, has identified some weaknesses that are causing this, this pain. Uh, I've already started working on these exercises and uh, they seem to be making a difference already. Sean, do you want to bring us in uh, with your update on the uh, Cheshire Marathon? Uh, yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, just just on that, do you think that's the trick at mid-Cheshire, that first mile being a quick one? Well, I absolutely do. And um, I think basically if you don't run the first mile quick enough, and obviously there's a fine balance between running it too quick enough and too quickly, but I think uh, if you don't run it quick enough, it's pretty much race over. Because for me, I went through the first mile in 4.56. And that was pretty much the pace that I averaged at podium. So it was almost like, right, well, I've just run a downhill mile at the pace I averaged at podium. So, And I know I've got a 1,400-metre climb coming up now. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was race over. But on, on Mid-Cheshire, I did actually read a really good Strava post where somebody who'd run really well at... Um, put in his uh, Strava description he put race plan went to perfection commit work the hill and then kitchen sink last mile I think that's a great summary of how to run that course if you you click on my um, one mile PB on Strava it's the first mile in Cheshire (laughs) go so Sean go on don't don't, uh, keep us in suspense any longer how did the marathon go for you yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I just wanted to say massive uh, success, the event, I think, and the work that Michael Harrington over at Run Cheshire have put in to get that race over the line. Just wanted to say how much, you know, I appreciated that. And I know a lot of other runners did as well on the day um, because, you know, with difficult times to put a race on like that. And I saw a post he, he put on social media recently and in an email where he said that the live feed they had on that race had over half a million engagements on the day which is just insane, isn't it? And it just shows you the level of interest there was in that race as well. I think a lot of people waiting for it. And, you know, the, the times what people put in, I mean, Jake, Jake Smith, 2.11 as a winner, and um, just fought, closely followed it in 2.11.39 by second place, Callum Mead. So great times. And all the top three ladies, sub 2.30 as well. So... Well, I was analysing my race, um, which didn't go to plan. As you know, I was quite open about my goal. My goal was sub two forty, um, and um, I wanted to run out at six minute miles from from the from the outset, really, and I, and I did that. But I think um, where what I just noticed is really, I think in marathons you know, don't you, quite early doors how it's going, and probably from about mile six, I just felt like I was working too hard for that pace. I should have been just floating along at that pace and comfortable, and I just found it quite difficult. So in the early miles, I noticed that, and then I was working in a group, and we put some erratic miles in. I think mile six was a 550, 
don't know why that happened. And then there was another 5.50, another three miles later. And then even at mile 16, we've put another one in. And I knew that was happening. And I even tried sitting at the front of the group to try and control it. But I think the damage was done for me. And I just um, just started to drop away then about mile 9. And um, my sub-240 race just drifted away from me. So I was a bit disappointed with that. I was very disappointed after the race, if I'm honest with you. But as as it sunk in more, I've been I've become more pleased with how it went because I ran a PB two forty one fifty four, so I've got to be happy with that. And I was just talking, we're just talking to Gap before we started the podcast tonight. There's another race at the end of May, a flat marathon in the Boston Marathon. I was thinking, shall I have another crack at that? But I thought I'm going to wait now. I think until the autumn because if I wasn't fit enough. Last week, I'm probably not going to be fit enough at the end of May. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll just I'll just go for it again later in the year. And you know, I'm I'm having to think about coaching and maybe having a look out the race when you know when I compare it to Chicago. Even though I was quicker than I was in Chicago, I ran better in Chicago. I just felt comfortable through the race and ran a good pace. So, so overall, yeah, really good event. I hope they do it again because I think races like that definitely have a place in the calendar for people who want. As Chris Barnes described, there's no nonsense racing. You just go there, run fast, and go home. And it was, if that's what you want to do, that's a good race to do it in. Sean, do you think it was a bit different from Chicago because of the crowds or the support? Or what was that like on the course? Yeah, possibly, mate. Um, I've been over analysing it and thinking why I didn't run as well. And it, I think I can't remember what. It was in one of the podcasts, wasn't it, where I said, I just felt like the crowd just dragged you along the course in Chicago. It's, it just felt like an extra 10% um, on top of your performance that you got out of that. It was my first world major. we really interested to see how it goes in London for me. I suspect the atmosphere will be similar, all bits anyway. Um, and that, we'll have to see how that goes. I think you've got to be careful with it because it can make you go too quick, bought by the race organisers all the way around as well. You never felt like you were alone unless you get unless you get kicked out the back of the group at mile 20 like I did, then... And you're alone then. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I never felt like I was far from sport, but it was very, very different. A very different. The group, you were in, the group that you were in, Sean, was it a mix of marathon runners and half marathon runners, or were they all marathon runners? I think my group, to be honest, Dave, was all marathon runners because of the because my group was like a a two thirty five two forty group. Some of the quicker groups right at the front, so like the guys were running looking for two ten two twelve, they would have had. You know, your fast half marathon runners in there. A couple of uh, local runners were in there from Salford as well. That was my concern for some of the marathon runners that, you know, they might have company to halfway and then all of a sudden everybody just stops. <laughs> I did. I noticed I had one half marathon runner with me, actually. Um, I can't remember her name now, but she was a very good runner. She was very good at pace. I always think, I don't know if, it, if, I'm, if I'm alone in this, I feel that a lot of women runners pace better than men. I think men have a tendency to go run out quite hard. And when she pulled off for the half, I felt that was, it. you know, I thought, oh, no, where's she going? <laughs> and, um, you know, because we're just such a constant pace, you know, throughout. Uh, I don't know. Well, that's it. I'm overall pleased with it. I just didn't quite have, the, quite have it in my legs on the on the day, really, unfortunately. Still a yeah. good time, though. Yeah. Time. I, keep, I keep reminding myself of that, man. But um, you know what runners are like. Even if I'd have run two thirty nine, I'd have still been moaning, wouldn't I? That I could have run two thirty eight. So that's just life, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, take the PB, mate. PB's a PB. Yeah, that's right. So no races for Gavacal. Um, but how's your marathon training going, Gav? I've I've had a, a bit of a bug or something uh, last couple of weeks, so it's left me feeling quite drained. So I haven't done much um, last few weeks. So. I'm on Manchester Marathon. I've got a place on that in October. So I'm going to start to build for that. Still not feeling great. So I'll just wait out. And, and as soon as I feel ready to start picking it up again, then, I'll, then I will. So, yeah, not, not much to report, unfortunately. How's your training going, Cal? Oh, it's not, not been too good at the moment. After the BMC 5K, I've had a pain in my heel. I think it was from wearing racing flats. So tried a few things over the last couple of weeks. So rolling, stretching, physio. Last night, I even used the massage gun on my plantar on the back, bottom of my foot, which actually seems to have loosened it up a little bit. Got some advice from Dave, getting um, a Strasbourg sock. 
So I'm hoping that this ends up um, working before I start my marathon training in June. And then I've also started Sean's Bible of Advanced Marathoning. So I've started planning, planning my marathon training now as well. I did say, didn't I? I will let you know after the marathon how good that book is. <laughs> it must be all right. Well, some chapters are definitely better than others. That's what I'd say. <laughs> I started it last night, and I went through the basically the intro. The book's broken up into it into less than fifty mile weeks, fifty to eighty mile weeks, and then eight to to hundred plus mile weeks. Um, and I had a quick look through, and I was quite quite surprised on some of the stuff that they were offering like some of the information in there so yeah i'm gonna have a good good crack on that and for the next couple of weeks and get the get a plan sorted interesting eh? i think it's a book um it's called advanced marathoning and it's um it kind of educates you to build your own plan really that was a big difference that's why um i'm gonna ask um andy about this shortly but i asked um you know, my training for two races were quite different and this one, higher mileage, more tempo work. You assume better, don't you? But it's not always the case, really. I suppose we all respond differently. Um, so now we're going to go on and uh, introduce our main guest of this episode. We have a man who is the best runner, or one of the best runners, certainly to come out of Tameside, running for Stockport Harriers, but now living in Qatar. He's won the Manchester Marathon with a PB of 2.15 for the marathon. He's also run in the 2010 Commonwealth Games in the marathon. Please welcome to this episode, Andy Jones. Welcome, Andy. How are you, thank mate? You. Very well, thank you, Sean. Um, quite excited to be here. Quite, quite happy to be one of your guests. Oh, good. We're, we're excited to have you, actually. We've had a lot of questions in for you. Um, so I'll start with a couple of my own, and then we'll, do, we'll, we'll put some questions here about him from the listeners as well and some from the other guys. So I've been having a little look at your Power of 10 and just looking at your marathon history, really, because the last episode we did was all about the marathon. And we talked a lot in that episode about, um, you know, training for the marathon and looking at your times between like 2005 and 2010. They were very consistent times, I think just within a couple of minutes of each race. When, when you're training, um, with training and tactics being consistent over that time, did you tweak them, your training race by race, or did you follow a similar training plan across that time? Uh, I'd like to say I followed a similar training plan across all the marathons, especially the ones that land in the April time. So it's come, it was always come 1st of January, start double day, start building back up after the winter, maybe play around a bit over Christmas time, a couple of fell races or different races, River Valley 10K, Old Lang Syne Fell races, things like that. Um, and then January starts building back up. Um, so the build-up was, I'd say, pretty similar for all of them. I think there was one stage where I ran three marathons over the course of a year and a half. I think there was one second improvement across the three marathons. In fact, I think one of them, Dave, was in um, Kasichi when we ran 2.17, something like that there. And it's like we travelled all the way there great race but knocked a second off which great you've got to take that um, but it's a second you've just done six seven months work build up to it well not not six seven months build up but you in the you've known about it for six or seven months and you've had this three four month build up to the marathon and then all of a sudden you've knocked a second off your pb and you think okay where do we go next so so yeah and i think you're quite right a couple of minutes over all the marathons but a couple of minutes sometimes is a long way isn't it yeah that's a good point. I, I asked that question because I lost a couple of minutes in, well, a couple of minutes off my target, really, I would say, in my recent race. And I'm sort of going back now and probably analysing and over-analysing, perhaps, you know, what I could have done differently. Also, you, you're well known for your mountain running as well. And what, from, from my perspective, and a question I've got for you is, that's my weakest area, that. Anything to do with the fells and off-road? And particularly for me, it's downhill, descending. And obviously, I've seen some of the footage of you running, actually. I've watched back on YouTube some of the Snowden races. Yep. And you just float down. What, what do you think um, your, your biggest advice would be to people looking to improve descending in the mountains? Um, I, I honestly believe the, the downhill bit of the mountain running you've got to be able to disengage your brain, not think about consequences of what happens if one falls on this part of the mountain because you, you fall running down Snowden, 
not really getting up in a very good state because you're going to be cut to pieces. Um, it's jagged in places. So you've got to be able to disengage your brain, focus on what you're doing, just totally forget everything else and think about where you're placing your feet. And then I think the rest of it just comes. You, you, you say I floated down Snowden, but then when I compare that to people like Ian Holmes, who was abs- and still is absolutely phenomenal at floating down hills, I come down fast enough. You're coming down minutes quicker. Um, it's just so I saw that I had the advantage at the top, so he never actually pulled it back over the course of the race. But he would come down, and you think, how oh, the hell? I, I come down in 25 minutes. How the hell is he coming down in 23 minutes? And I'm sure Dave spoke to his dad about downhill running as well several times um, and how you managed to master that. It's interesting because when you look at it, I guess from the outside looking in as not being a mountain runner, your automatic fear is the climbs. Yeah. But once you get into it, you realise it's actually the technical downhills, which uh, you lose yeah, a lot of time. As you'll be aware, if you've done a bit of research on it, some races are uphill only, especially in the continent, in Europe. Um, a lot of races in the UK, due to the size of the hills and mountains we've got, are up and down. Um, Snowden did do a race a couple of times where he finished at the top. But then if you finish a race at the top of a mountain, you've always got to get down the damn thing, haven't you? So you might as well race up and down it, to be quite honest. Yeah, we've got we've got a question in as well from uh, Michael Harris, who runs for High Village Striders. He, he's asked uh, a couple of other questions, actually. He's asked, he says, did you not get bored um, finishing first in all, in all the time in 2004? Um, he says, uh, all but five races that year, you finished um, um, off the top step. So I think 2014 was a good year for you. 2014 was the year we moved to Qatar, um, I think. Yes, it would have been. That's the year that I won the Manchester Marathon. Eventually, Dave let me win it, um, which is very kind of him after the numerous, I say numerous battles. Um, actually, in the marathon, it won't really battle. It was how far I would get before Dave caught me back up and passed me. And I'm sure he's talked about that in his other programmes and his other um, interviews that he's done. Um, so 2014 was strange because I knew that I was coming to Qatar in January time. So I'd already thought, well, January, February, March, April, counting down the months, that's what I've got left to race. And I did race as long as I could up until literally getting on the plane to come out here because I didn't know what I was going to be encountered with here apart from a very hot climate. Would there be any racing? Would there be any events to do? I'm obviously in good shape because we did the marathon. I ran okay at the marathon. Um, 217 dead, which we all know now it wasn't actually a full marathon that day, don't we, Dave? It was a little bit short, um, unfortunately. But still, it would have still been around, I imagine, 218, which I can't grumble at that. Um, so, yeah, 2014, if you look at Power 10, I think after that, then everything stops on the Power 10 by the odd park run, which I might have done since I've come back and things like that. It dies down a little bit. He's asked a question as well, Michael, about park run history. Um, so he'd love to know what your favourite course is um, for enjoyment, I guess for race mode, and what's your least favourite? <laughs> I've not, I've not done a great number of different part runs. I think maybe five or six different venues. I do think part run is absolutely fantastic, though. I've got to say that. I think it's one of the best things to be introduced in the UK for a long time. Just I look at the sheer numbers involved on a weekend. And you think, Christ, where, where have all these people come from? So Stamford Park run in Ashton, fantastic little course. And from what I can see from pictures people posting, it's only going to get quicker and quicker, that course, because um, they keep tightening around with the path at the back. Many years ago when the Tour of Tameside used to run there, it was the cross-country course, wasn't it, Dave? And um, at the back yeah. of on Silver Springs, it wasn't, there was no path. It was find your way, basically, through the trees and through the rough grass, where obviously now it's a lot, lot quicker. So Stamford Park run is really good i've done marple which i suppose is a bit of a cross-country course really it's all grass uh, i think there's a little bit down the river towards the end a couple of laps where you run on maybe some cinders or some gravel or something um and i did i know i'm in shape when i ran that one because i think i broke steve vernon's course record on that i don't know what the course record is now on there someone's probably taking it um i'd have to look but that again is a really good course I love Oldham Park Run. I don't know if that's because I spent many years going to Oldham every day on the bus to go to school there. Um, but that's a fantastic course in Alexandra Park. And it's, it can be a quick course, that very quick course. It's quite deceptive because it's relatively flat. A little climb towards the end, which is more of a drag than a climb. But because you've climbed up this little drag, you get quite a nice downhill on it. And it's a free lap course. 
so you can get shipping along really well. Um, they've won in Rochdale, I've done. Again, it's like a fell race, basically. Um, it starts at the reservoir and, and runs all, it's all off, I say off-road, it's on cobbles, it's on tracks, it's on um, like yellow pathway, sand pathway. Um, but again, that's a, a really good one. And then where else have I been? Well, while you're thinking, Andy, I can confirm that you are still the course record holder at Marple. Oh, that's good. So, <laughs> down there this weekend, Gav, so you can have a crack, can't you, mate? Okay. Yeah, mate, that'll get me out the door. <laughs> so, I remember doing it. I remember doing that one, actually. It was, um, might have been on the day of Snowden, you know. Was it, was it in 20, was it in it was 2010? 12th of July, 2014. 12th of July, 2014. <clears throat> All right. Okay, and that I think it was. Um, I don't know what I was training for. I remember going and doing a bit of a session afterwards because it's come quite good hills, isn't it? As you work up towards where the cross is on the hill, I'm looking over Marple. Um, there's some quite good hills around there to run up. So I remember doing a bit of a session afterwards. So what, I thought, what, time, what time was that in, Dave? That course record, yeah. Uh, fifteen twenty nine. Yeah, I think it just took Steve's record by about a few seconds. Did it? Uh, one second. One second. I knew it was close. I knew, I knew it was close. And obviously, Steve's a bit of a legend around there. He's from the area, isn't he? So, um, not far away. Yeah. Well, talking of Steve, you've also done Woodbank Park Run, which you've which oh, not Oh, Woodbank, yeah. I forgot Woodbank Park Run. Because that, again, up and down from Woodbank Park and then into Vernon Park. And he's got the hell of a climb out of it, hasn't it? And again, you are the course record holder there with 15.22. And Steve yep. Vernon second with fifteen thirty. Ah, oh, right, excellent. So oh, uh, um, let's see if Steve can do anything then, because I won't be coming back doing anything there. I can tell you. <laughs> One more I'll mention uh, before we dwell on part run too much. Uh, you've also done Glossop a couple of times. Glossop, yeah. How can I forget Glossop? Glossop. I remember racing there, and this was on one of the days when we come back from obviously here. We've got we tend to come back for five or six weeks during the summer. Um, I rock up to Glossop Park Run and. Who rocks up? But Roden. Okay, so <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to have a nice little run around Glossop Park run and Jamie's there and Jamie set off like, well, Jamie just, Jamie just took it to pieces and then we went around the back and we did a couple of uh, mile efforts afterwards. I remember that, yeah. That was really good. Yeah, brilliant. You can get muddy at Glossop. If it rains, you've got uh, a bit of mud to contend with. Just one more question from Michael. My, my, I know why Michael's asking this because he does a bit of ultra-distance stuff. Um, and he's asking, did you ever venture beyond the marathon distance, you know, either on fells or mountains or, or the road? And if, if not, what, why not? And what do you do, I suppose? Obviously, in training, probably around 30 mile, some Sundays. Mm. Uh, okay, no problem. I actually entered the 50k race when the world champs kept coming to Doha for a, a, three, a couple of years ago. It came here three years on the run and... I think Steve Ray came once and um, Martello came a few times out here. I think Andy Davis came out to run it as well. And I'd entered it um, and then it dawned on me that they actually changed it to a 20-lap race um, rather than the 10 laps that it had been the previous year. So it used to be 10 5K laps. They moved it to a 22.5K laps race when they were rebuilding the stadium for the World Champs. Um, and then I didn't end up doing it. I did the 10K race the next day. So, yeah, I've never raced over the marathon distance, but I do have this... I do have this little idea in the back of my head that we live on the east coast of Qatar and the west coast is only 80 kilometres away. And I do have this idea that one afternoon, one morning or whatever, I'll run across it. So I do fancy the longer stuff, especially when you see, actually, if you can chip along at six minute miling, you can actually do quite well in some of these long races. So, so yeah. And then in terms of mountain races, long distance wise, I haven't really done anything that's super long on them. Okay. So... Yeah, I, I honestly don't know why I didn't race a longer distance. Maybe if we'd stayed in the UK now and you were getting older, and um, I feel it now getting older as well. At first, you know, when you when you run, I don't know what you like, Dave, at the moment, but it's when you used to get up when you were 25, 26, 31, 32, 33 years old, you used to get up in the morning, bash out a run, go to work, come home, train again. Now it's like, well, the, the day's different here because we start school so early. We start at seven o'clock in the morning classes. So getting up in the morning would be stupid o'clock anyway. But doing anything now, which is double days, I can feel it the next day and the day after that. So maybe if we'd stayed in the UK, possibly would have looked at stepping up, in, I say stepping up in distance, going longer distance 
from marathon. And a lot of that would be for pure, literally pure enjoyment. It's, it's Yes, I think I've said similar. Maybe when I'm a bit older and I'm not trying to run quicker times, I might look at a longer distance because yeah. your kind of objective can change a bit, can't it? Um, Callum, you, you've got a couple of questions as well, haven't you, for the listeners? Hi, Andy, you all right? Yeah, very well. Nice to meet you, Callum. Um, so I've got a couple of questions from myself and then I've got one from, um, one from a listener, which I'm very interested in. Um, so the first one is, when did you get into running and what was your earliest memory? I can remember when I started running because unlike Dave and Andy and other lads that I trained with, like Jason Ward and all them who ran literally through schools or went to university to run that, I didn't start running until I was about 18, 19 years old. And then, like many people, you watch the London Marathon on the telly and I, I just said to mum and dad, I said, have a go at that, entered it, got in and naively went off to run the London Marathon, did a... I'd like to say I did a couple of training runs before and I went out for a couple of runs. I remember running from our house. I lived in Carve Rock with my parents and I'd run down through the old power station and back through Mausoleum and think, oh, great, ready for a marathon now, no problem. Um, and then you rock up at London Marathon and you think, oh, this is a long way. And it, I tell you, it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a tough old run, that first race. Uh, I say race, the first marathon I did, it was a race, I suppose. Um, my target was to break four hours, and I, I did. I think I ran 3.52 for my first marathon, um, off very little training, nipping to up and running the day before um, to buy a vest. And I, ran, I remember it well. I ran with a T-shirt under the vest, thinking I might get cold in this marathon, so I best wrap up warm, not realising, actually, it's <laughs> no need to. I'm going to be working hard and sweating. And I, I remember that really well. And then I remember coming home, my parents were with me. They drove me to London on the morning of the race, Okay, so we literally drove to London at daft o'clock, parked up at Greenwich, did the race, met my parents afterwards. We went back on the train to Greenwich, picked, picked the car up and drove back to, to where we're from, um, which all in a day was no mean feat. And then I remember they give you a book after the marathon. I was flicking through it and then I discovered something called the Tour of Thames side. And I read it and I thought, well, this is where we live. This passes our house. This is How do I not know that these huge races? And I weren't a member of a club then. So then I entered the Tour of Thameside, again, naively, not knowing really what it was. It just said it's a double marathon spread over six races. Sounded fun, sounded interesting. So I entered that. And that's when I remember it was the uh, Basha, uh, Basha Hussein won it. I remember speaking to him. I remember this really well, speaking to him at East Cheshire Areas. And he says, oh, why don't you join a club? And I thought, hmm, not a bad idea. That's so why I joined a club. I joined East Cheshire Areas because I was there. And and I suppose the rest is history then. it's um, I got into running and... I would literally, when I was at East Cheshire, if there was a race and I could get to it, I'd go and do it because I love running and I love racing. It, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It is that hook that gets you that you think I want to race and I want to, I want to run as fast as I can. I want to go quicker and I want to get quicker. And I remember at the time, fantastic Harry Kelly, never forget the support he's give us. Fantastic in terms of his dedication and his commitment and his encouragement um, to us inspired us to go actually I'll go quicker and then when I was there Gareth Raven would be there and I'd, I'd be looking up and thinking Christ Gareth runs quick he, he runs really fast he's like unbelievable if I can get anywhere near his times I'll, I'll take that and then obviously we all know what happened there and one got better and we raced Gareth and we had some fantastic battles together. How did you so, feel after that first marathon then what was it what was it like ruined, the day after? Ruined for weeks for weeks. I remember I was at university at the time and I went to university in Leeds. So then obviously after going back home to Manchester area, I then had to get to Leeds the next day for university and I literally couldn't get off the bed. I was absolutely destroyed, but I'd probably never run over six, seven, maybe eight miles before and then rocked up to that. <laughs> but interestingly, I went straight home, entered the Tour of Thames side, <laughs> Manchester Marathon, the original, oh, I say the original Manchester Marathon, the first Manchester Marathon I know about, I know it had been going for many years before, and this marathon started in Wivenshaw Park, no, it started in Heaton Park, sorry, and finished in Wivenshaw Park, and um, I went off to run that after the first London Marathon that I did, um, and got a bit quicker, <laughs> would you believe, every marathon I did for a little while, I got quicker and quicker on, because you were, I was training, and I was fo aiming for them, or I say aiming for them, focusing on them, and, and running them. So, so yeah. So you definitely got the bug man. Oh, big time. <laughs> I, I always said I want to I run every day 
of my life. And now, now, don't get me wrong, I'm no Ron Hill. I haven't run every day of my life. In fact, the last three weeks, I've done very, very little running because on the day of the Grand National, um, I was out in the desert running along and I felt a pain in my calf and I thought, oh, it's nothing, it's blah, blah. And then I went a bit further out in the desert and I thought, that pain's not moving. So I stopped, stretched, carried on running and then I had to stop and walk back. Probably from the furthest point out of the run, ended up walking back home. And then since then, what's that now? That's getting on for three weeks. I've rested during the week and I've tried it each Saturday to run. First Saturday, I came back after two and a half K. Last Saturday, I did 5K, no problem. And then it was sore the next morning. So I've waited another week now and I'm just waiting week by week. So in between all that, I've had to, I've had to go to the dark side and do a bit more on my bike. So we've got um, another question from me. What took you from Tameside to Qatar and are there any plans to move back? Um, what, took, what took us from Tameside to here is, is work, really. We were getting older. I would have been, what, 35 when we came here. It was the time when, I say the time when running would be coming to a, not to an end, because running would never come to an end, because I can, we can run every day until we drop dead, hopefully. Um, but it was just, just the time then to maybe flick the attention from just purely about running and obviously work to pay the bills, but, and then think about maybe changing lifestyle Opportunities to work over here, um, obviously a big financial incentive there in terms of what it can offer. Lifestyle for my kids, it's fantastically safe. It's been 38 degrees today all day. They play out all the time while they're in the pool all the time. It's the safest place I've ever been to in the world. There's no chance of actually getting mugged or attacked on a run. Where I read things now about what happens in the UK, um, I don't know if it's increased, but I see people being attacked or pushed in canals when they're out running or on the canal and all the rest of it. That just would never happen here, okay? It just is really safe. Well, that's not the reason we came here. The reason we came here is because the opportunity arose to work out here. And it has led to some fantastic races here. It's led to some great opportunities. We get tickets for the Diamond League for about five quid to sit on the finish line, uh, which is unbelievable. And we, we watch the Diamond League every time it comes. The World Champs was here and Wardy came across to spend the week with us when the World Champs was here and it was fantastic. We went every night. I remember it so well because it ruined me because we live about 50k away from Doha and the events don't finish till 10 after 10 at night. And I was getting up the next morning at four for work and Wardy was stopping in bed all day. Um, it, it was great. And there is races here. You can race here. We have a marathon, a half marathon. There's lots of little 10Ks. And ultimately coming out here has led to nipping to Dubai and being able to race up staircases as well um, and running up towers, which is something different. But again, I don't know if it comes from the mountain running and some basic speed, we do okay at. Don't get them um, running up the buildings on Strava then, do you? <laughs> no, the they, Garmin... They don't fit very well. <laughs> And if it's not on Strava, they don't count. So <laughs> that's what we're telling guys. <laughs> <laughs> so on to back home. What's your? Uh, you've mentioned about your park runs and your favourite park runs, but what's your favourite local race back home and why? Um, I'll say the Trafford 10K for Dave, but I don't know if it's my favourite. My favourite race. Um, there's there's loads. I love going to the local fell race down the road or up in Glossop up the NAB and races like that, little short races. Um, Saddle of Six, fantastic race. Um, when he used to finish on that cinder tracking up a mill, really good, really good little atmosphere on a Wednesday evening. Um, there's, there's loads of great little races which um, hopefully will start up again this year now as we move forward in the pandemic and people can get back to racing each other. But these little Tuesday night, Wednesday night events, really, really interesting little races. Um, so we've got a message, um, a question, sorry, from Luke Mins. He says, how did you always manage to get up at the crack of dawn for the Sunday long run, followed by a full day out with the wife and kids? It always amazed me by the time I'd got up and had my breakfast to meet Fordy for a long run. He'd already bashed out 18 miles and was out with the kids. He's a great athlete. Get on with it. Yeah. I used to get up, I remember it so well, get up five o'clock, go out for a morning run. This run on a weekday, come back, quick shower, quick change, um, drive to Rochdale to school, come back and, and repeat. Um, on Sundays, no problem getting up. Best time of the day, get up, six o'clock, half six, get out the door, get out for a long run before it gets busy or before you bump into people. 
and fantastic time of the day. And then, like you said, having a family and a job, you've got to balance it all. And it is a big balancing act at times. We've got three kids now. They're all getting into their own sports and their own hobbies as well. And, and that was starting when we lived in England as well, with my daughter going off to different events and different things. It's, it is just literally a big, big time management, isn't it? Uh, being able to balance everything in and fit everything in the actual day. Yeah, I was chatting with my wife about um, getting my Sunday long runs in ready for my training for London Marathon. She was saying that, um, oh, but I started running on a Sunday with my mum. So it's like, well, I'm sorry, but that's going to be changing. Exactly. But it is a balancing act, yeah. making sure that the kids are all right and fed and watered had, at least. Yeah, see, my wife, she, she runs and she would be, yeah, you go for your Sunday morning run, but I'm going to meet Joe down at Woodbank Park at 10 o'clock, so you've got to make sure you're back. You changed. You're ready to drive me because she wouldn't drive to um, Woodbank Park. And then you can spend an hour pushing the kids around. Or what I tend to do is go to Asda and have a breakfast um, and then meet her again and, and take her back home. So it, it was like literally, boom, you've got, if you want to do a three-hour run, do a three-hour run. But you've got to be ready for half nine to drive me to Woodbank Park. So that means you're going at half six, okay, or whatever time, whatever time it works out at. Um, but it, it, it worked. It worked really well. So that's um, that's it from me. So I'm going to pass over to to Gav. Thanks for that, Callum. Hi, Andy. Hey, uh, Gav. You well? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well. Looking forward to see you run this marathon. Yeah, finally, when it happens. Uh, yeah, Manchester I'd... in October, hopefully. Pardon? Manchester in October. Um, All right. So I was listening to some of these earlier podcasts, and I thought you were running a solo marathon somewhere. I'm like, yeah, I was hoping to get one done in um, end of May, June, um, but had a bit of an illness last couple of weeks and the training just wasn't there either with that. So, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll push it back. I've got about six months now to to build up for the Manchester Marathon, so start and get ready for that and hopefully that'll be on and finally get a marathon yeah. in the belt, yeah. I was just interested, obviously, because I think you said you were going to aim for 2.20 on a solo marathon. I was just thinking, oh, that'll be interesting. In 20, I know I mentioned on previous podcasts, I did 146 at Rex and 20. So I reckon I was in about 518 average. And um, that was like a solo run after after a lap of the track. Um, so I reckon I was in that sort of nick. And I did one around that time, probably about six weeks after that, once COVID kicked off. So I'd had probably six weeks of no long runs and no real specific stuff. And 520 average got to 22 and that was it. And that was on my own. So I figured I'd be around that nick if, if I'd have done that a bit closer to Wrexham. So, yeah, that was probably the reason for that prediction. But we'll wait and oh. see now. Hopefully yeah. October can give it a real good go at Manchester. Hopefully you'll run quick. Nice one. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Cheers, Paul. Uh, so, obviously, we've done some runs in the past and uh, when you was over here and had, had plenty of conversation about bits and bobs. Uh, my question is, I, d- I just want to know how you got up every day and beasted it day in, day out because you did, you did train hard. And how you felt doing that? And was you sort of tired all the time or did you feel quite good putting that sort of training in? I went, I was never tired all the time. You get used to it, don't you? You're training and you get used to how you feel and how your body feels. And yeah, that first week or two when you start them double days or you start increasing the mileage or you want to increase the mileage by 10 mile a week or whatever it might be, yeah, you're going to feel more tired. But I just felt, I just felt you got used to it. And for me, it just became... And maybe this is where I went wrong. It became a routine. And maybe if it didn't become a routine and you spiced it up a little bit, and this is something Don always talks about. She says, you used to go off and do mile reps every Saturday. So you, you just did the same mile reps every Saturday, at the same time every week. And now on reflection of that, maybe that be, you then become so used to running mile reps at that set time, at that set time of day on a Saturday morning, at that set pace, that you're just becoming used to that. And then therefore... You're that used to it when you try to do something different in a race or go quicker, you're actually used to running that pace. So that's some that's something we've always discussed, Donna and I, about if we were to go back in time, what would we do differently? Would we knock on the head five, six minutes, six, uh, five or six mile reps in Heaton Park and move them to do eight or nine or ten by a mile reps in a slightly slower time or mix them up a little bit? But no, we never felt tired all the time. You know, I think it's it's a drug, isn't it, running? I always think it's a drug and you, you need that. And that's that's why I think I still run as often as I can now. And every day when I haven't got a little bit of an injury or anything, um, you just need that 
drug and whatever it releases when you are running and training, be that on a bike or running through the desert or through the streets, um, it just releases that, I don't know, that feel-good factor. You just get back and you think, you know something, that was great, that, that one hour of knocking it out, running hard, training, and you just feel really good about yourself then for the rest of the day. Nice one. Cheers. It's a great answer that, and I'm sure the listeners will appreciate that because, um, you know, you did use, you motivated me when I looked at your training and I still sometimes pop on the Power 10 where your blog is um, just for some motivation and have a read of some of the training on there and all, all the six-minute mile and 100-odd mile a week. So, yeah, spot on, mate. I remember well, Gav, that run that we did one afternoon. I don't know what I'd been doing. I was off school or something. You ran up to my house to meet me and we went off to do a run. And we just just hammered it basically, didn't we? Um, I remember yeah. it. I remember that so well. Was that the one where you did nine mile? You did you did nine mile. You said you were doing twenty six mile. So I was like, right, I'm after about twelve to fourteen, and I think you yeah. did nine mile. And and I remember leaving mine um, and doing. I thought, right, I better get out the door and do a lap of the estate, and I, before I meet you, because if I, if I, if I just meet you cold, um, you know, and, you, and you're smashing it five forties up. Huddersfield Road, I'd be in bits. I remember doing a mile at six minutes just around the estate just before I met you just to get ready. And I think you ended up doing 26 mile that day in, in, in about 2.36 with, you know, your last maybe four mile up Mottram Road back Mottram down to Road, I remember that, yeah. Unbelievable run that was, yeah. But yeah, good times. I think the relays was a week after that and I thought, I'm going to be in bits for that. But I actually ran all right. <laughs> good stuff. Well, yeah, it was a good run. Um, so... Obviously, you've touched on that with some of the other questions um, on this next one. So it's just, uh, was it difficult, obviously, like leaving the racing scene behind here? And obviously, you've got a few races out there you can do. Um, but obviously, being so involved with the races back here, um, was that difficult to leave behind? Or, uh, as you mentioned, you know, was your time sort of coming to an end for the race? Well, I do, I do miss some of the races and... You know, you get certain times of year, don't you, where you think, oh, well, it's September time, Trafford 10K, or early March time, Trafford 10K, whenever they're on. And then you think Manchester Marathon, the relays, uh, um, be it the Northwest relays or uh, Northern Road relays, the National Road relays, when all them come up and I see the I see the results popping up. Or even as it was last year, the virtual relays that I'd be watching or following as the results came in. Um, you miss things like that, but not, not really, no. Um, there's a good scene out here. A guy called Kojo now lives out here. Um, he works at Asperta, and he's a fantastic runner um, from, from London area. Um, and he's out here at the moment. He's, he's running really well. He's a couple of years older than myself. Um, and he's, he's training really hard at the moment. I think he's aiming for an October marathon, be it London, go back to do London or something. Um, but no, it's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really miss the racing scene. I miss the camaraderie and I miss the... The second, the second, the Mick basically out of Dave or his brother or out of Matt Shaw or Jason or whatever it might have been, just the banter, that kind of thing. But that you, you, get, you can get the banter anyway. And you, we still have, I know Wardy will still post rubbish all the time on his uh, Facebook or whatever about running and, and giving some stick. You, you've still got it there. It, it, it's good to see. Oh, nice one. Um, cool. So we've got a question from Nigel Martin um, of Sale Harriers. He, he's asked, there's, there's been a lot of discussion about doing slow runs uh, to our recovery uh, in between your sessions, um, but Andy was notorious for hammering it every day. Did you ever try backing off more on your easy runs or was your recovery just so good your legs allowed you to go hard all the time? There's a, another part to that, which I'll, which I'll come to later if you want to answer, answer that bit. I, I don't know. I just used to think, well, going for a steady run, let's run six-minute miling and then there's your steady run do six minute mile in, you do 10 mile an hour, um, you do 22 hours, you've done 20 mile, game over, let's go back and have some lunch. Um, so that seems to be, I do I do see now and I, I look and I think, I try to go out, as, even to this, to this day, I'll go out and I'll run 3.45 a K or 3.55 a K, always try to keep it below four minutes a K. Um, and I look and then I'll see, Dave's ran, it'll be come up on Strava and Dave's ran 4.30 somethings a kilometre, what have you not. And I think, yeah, maybe I should just back off a little bit. But when I get out the door, I just start running and it just feels natural to go at that pace. I've never, never wore heart rate monitor, so I never really 
people who say, oh, wear a heart rate monitor, go off your heart rate, which don't get me wrong, I'm not knowledgeable in that whatsoever. So I'm not knocking that in any way. I do believe there's a lot of real positive and looking at the scientific side of it um, in terms of your training. But I never used to do that. And if I felt great, I used to run hard. And if I didn't feel great, I still try to run hard. <laughs> um, so the second part to that was, was there anything you did that you felt was important for your recovery or were you just gifted? Recovery-wise, I used to take a couple of days off after marathon or do a steady run instead of a hard run after the marathon to help try and recover. Um, but then we'll get back on it. I, I, like I said before, I, I honestly believe running is a drug. Um, but it's kind of a good drug rather than some of the bad drugs that you see out there. And you get you get, you get get addicted to it, don't you? And you think, I need to get up and go for a run. I don't know how you feel, but it's never a chore to go on a run. It never was, oh, I've got to go for a run. It's, oh, sugar, sorry, I can't go for a run today. I'm disappointed. It's never, never, even to this day, it's never like, oh, I need to go for a run. Like, I go running now and there's no races coming up. There's nothing on the horizon. There's nothing... Nothing I'm aiming for. It's not like, oh, I'm aiming to get fit. So when I come back in summer or if we get back in summer, I can go and do some racing. There's none of that in the plan. Um, it's Now it's literally is, I'm going to go out for a 10-mile run or I'll go out for a, a 20K run, whatever it might be. Um, and it just purely is for the pure love of it. Yeah, it's got its health benefits. And I honestly believe it's also got massive benefits in terms of mental health in doing something and getting out and, and just a break. Yeah, the kids are fantastic. The wife's okay, but it's nice sometimes to get out and, and go for a run and just leave that and think, well, actually, now I've got an hour to myself or an hour and a half and just, I would say, go and look at the scenery. But if you've been to Qatar, once you've seen one kilometre of the place, it is exactly the same. It's either pancake flat desert or pancake flat desert. There's nothing. It's not... It's not like you imagine the desert and these rolling sand dunes and everything. In the north, you could be running through a quarry up here. The ground's that hard. It's all rock, rock hard desert. Um, it's just, it, some parts of it reminds me of like when you're running across the moors and there's nothing there apart from moorland, apart from this time, there's nothing there apart from desert. And then every now and again, some lad comes past you in his land cruiser and gives you a beep of his arm and offers you a bottle of water. Um, but it is like I just touched on before, I think in terms of mental health-wise, just getting out every day and doing something and getting getting the heart beating, getting the blood pumping, you come back and if you've got a ton of work to get through that evening, you soon get through it. I suppose as well with that answer sort of linked to, to the other question that I asked, um, purely for the love of running and the enjoyment and, and the hobby, running fast is a lot more fun than running slow. So I suppose in your training as well for, for your marathon and stuff, when you did all your runs at a decent lake, it was just more fun, I suppose, at running that fast as well, isn't it? It is. And you get to go to further places, don't you? So if you run faster, especially when we lived in England, if you run faster, you get to get to that further point so you can get to see more scenery or you can get to do a bigger loop or um, a different run. Um, it's And it is. It's, it's just... It is. I think it's personal and personal about how fast you want to run. And Dave will remember lots of talks we used to go on when we used to go to marathon training weekends, Dave. And um, was it Alan would talk yeah. about miles and stuff like this. And I'd switch off because all I was thinking about is when, when can we next go for a run and when can we next race or when can we next eat? And Alan would talk about something scientific. And I remember him so well. Remember the one in, was it in Shropshire? Did you come to that one? Your brother definitely did. I remember your brother being there. Uh, I remember Alan so very clearly, Alan's story talking about jump miles and all the athletes he's coached and everything I'm thinking well if they jump miles just get out and make them a bit harder and make them real miles and make them count thanks Andy uh, so we got a question from Chris Barnes we all know Chris from Podium yeah, um, I know Chris Barnes very well yeah so I'm not going to pronounce um, the bit at the end because I, I don't know how to pronounce it so I'm going to read the question out and someone else dive in who is your toughest opponent opponent on the old line time yeah I think the, the old Lang Seinfeld race has had some of the some well, it's had an Olympic gold medalist run it and an Olympic silver medalist run it, and God knows who else in between all that run it. So Alistair and Johnny used to run it all the time. It used to be fantastic. The old Lang Seinfeld race is up in um, Yorkshire, and Dave right. Wood 
they would have used to organise it. I don't know who organises it now because he stepped down from organising races, but I believe it still goes on in some kind of format. Um, and it was on New Year's Eve. So New Year's Eve, you blast over there and um, one ridiculously hilly course. And Dave's done it. We did it in fancy dress, haven't we, Dave? Remember when <laughs> we did yeah. fancy dress that year? And me, you, your brother and a few others, we all dressed up. It was a fantastic event. Um, and starts maybe 11 o'clock. It's only 30, 35-minute race, if memory serves me right. Straight out, up to some trig point somewhere, turns back, fast running. I remember racing Johnny, Johnny Brownlee there and beating him. And Alistair, Alistair was there. Um, and I, I suppose the toughest competitor on that is Ian Holmes. It's his patch, it's his territory. He, he loves it. He knows the ground. He knows whatever, every step he knows where he's putting his foot. Um, so maybe he was the toughest competitor on there um, in terms of actual actual racing. Awesome. Uh, thanks a lot for answering those, Andy. Uh, it's great to speak to you. Uh, I'm going to pass you over to Dave shortly. Um, obviously, there's travel restrictions. Well, if you get back um, in the summer at some point, we get on that Millbrook Monster or, or, or Stanford Park Run. Definitely. Well, yeah, I'm not going to go to any Park Run Europe, trust me. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> Andy. Uh, Thanks, Gav. Cheers, mate. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Hello, Dave. So, uh, I've got uh, quite a few questions for you. Um, they're all quite short and to the point, uh, but uh, hopefully uh, you'll uh, come up with some interesting answers. Um, so, I was asked when I was interviewed um, who I thought was the most talented runner to have come from <laughs> Tameside. Um, so, I'm going to start by repeating that question to you. Who... Who do you think the most talented runner you've seen in the Tameside area is? Well, the best runner from Tameside, surely, has got to be Dr. Ron Hill, hasn't it? Okay, I don't, yeah. I've not listened to who you said. Um, I did listen to, about, I think, your first three of these podcasts, Dave, okay? And then I've not listened to the one where you were interviewed, so I don't know who you said, but I think, I've got to say, distance running-wise, um, the best runner from Tameside, surely, has got to be Ron Um Fantastic, phenomenal what he's done. His long, longevity, uh, how long he's actually ran for, back-to-back consecutive runs and all that. Uh, fantastic. But I also think there's, there's many others. Roden, Greeny, um, some great runners that have come from Tameside. You, you, you and your brother. I don't know if I class you as coming from Tameside, Dave, because obviously you lived over in Stockport, didn't you, when you grew up? Um, yeah, right. In Mersey, was it? Or Heaton Chapel, one of the Heatons. But obviously, you, you and your brother, where I think where you, you, I always see you as you've trained hard to get to where you've got to. Where I see your Andy as actually being very, very talented and can rock up, like we've seen this last couple of weeks, can rock up to some races and turn out some fantastic times. Yeah. So, a bit of a, uh, a twist on that question. Um, so you've trained with many, many people over the years. So I was next going to ask you, who's the most talented runner you've trained with? I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Train, as in trained with, you mean trained with or been for these a run be, with? These could be steady runs. They could be uh, group interval sessions. They could be tempo runs. Anybody that you've done a training run or training session with? I wouldn't know. See, Vernon's, Vernon's class, Steve Vernon, um, he's a fantastic runner, isn't he? And when I went down to Stockport, he would be training down there. He'd be really, really, really talented. Um, and I think he he possibly could have done more than what he actually did in terms of what he did. And um, that's not to take anything away from him because what he did was fantastic. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, you and Earlier you mentioned Harry Kelly uh, and the early influence he had on you as your first coach. Uh, you then moved on to Salford Harriers uh, yep. and you were coached by Bob Merrill. Yep. You ran most of your best races under Bob. Yep. How important do you think Bob was to your development? Extremely. Extremely. The time and the dedication he put into us. And then at the time when I was training with um, Nick Jones and people like that, um, then Saturday morning sessions and, and just all the support he ever gave us was absolutely fantastic. And it... He, he, he would contact us, he would get in touch, he would ring us or I'd ring him in the night and say, look, 
done this 10 mile run today or we've done this session if it wasn't a session where we're going down there he'd be down at the track on Tuesday's timing all weathers no matter what was going on with him um, he was there and he would he'd pick up the phone and he would talk it was extremely instrumental I think the fact that you say all my best times were under when I was with Bob that's because when I left Harry Kelly well I left East Cheshire areas more than left Harry Kelly I left East Cheshire areas where I'd go down and train with a group of people Kevin Duckworth, uh, Keith Parker, all them guys were there. We're all training together. So there were guys running five-minute miling and, and guys running six, seven, eight-minute miles and miling, all in one massive group with Harry. And there could be 50 runners there. Then I took the decision. I think the decision came with, if you remember, and the guys remember John Cookson, who used to manage up and running in Hyde at the time. When I got friendly with John, and he would be like, come on, we need to now either step up the game or move to Bob. And he was with Bob at the time uh, and working with him. Uh, and that's where the move then came to Salford. And East Cheshire is fantastic. But I see the people that have been to East Cheshire and then where they've gone to in terms of joining Sale or they've gone to Salford. Um, and then maybe if they'd all stopped with East Cheshire, like you've always stopped with Altrincham. And I totally admire you for that, Dave. I just think... Cheshire could have been winning some of the biggest, biggest races going. Yeah, I know uh, Sean's been looking at um, uh, coaching, so uh, that was definitely one of the questions I wanted to ask because um, uh, it's, it's something we've talked about a few times on here, uh, the, the influence of a coach and how important it is. Yeah, I think a coach is very important, no matter what sport. It's someone to watch over you, isn't it? And I know you've been coached by various different people, Dave, over your times, and did your dad ever coach you? Has he ever any influence to you? He did, yeah, for my first marathon. Exactly. And just having that, someone to watch over you and to, to wind you in, especially if you're a bit like us, who, yeah, let's go for a run then and let's hammer it as fast as we can, even though we've raced the day before. But someone who just says, right, when you go for this run, try and keep it steady. Or this is your session. And I, I honestly don't think I'd make a very good coach at all um, in terms of guiding people or what have you not, because... They'd be like, right, let's go score a bit quicker then. Yeah, let's let's pick it up a bit. Let's go faster. Where maybe that's not always the answer. Next question from me. Uh, you had a reputation of, as one of the hardest trainers in the UK. Uh, how much attention did you pay to your diet when you were training at your, at your hardest? Oh, loads. I just would eat the next thing that came along. And that's as much attention as I paid to it. We'd try and, <laughs> we'll try and eat healthy as much as possible. In, I say healthy, um, pasta, spaghetti bolognese and the evening chicken, all that kind of stuff. But it was never, oh, I must eat this, I must eat that. If I came back from training and Donna says, oh, should I have a curry? You had a curry takeaway, yeah? Okay, it's, um, it was never, I've heard of athletes who weigh out the pasta and weigh out, eat wholemeal pasta. Well, I don't like wholemeal pasta, it doesn't taste very good, so I'll eat the normal pasta. And if I want pasta with chips, I'll have pasta with chips instead. Um, so, yeah, but do you not think, Within, within boundaries, doing what we do in terms of distance running, you can eat what the hell you like within limitations. Um, because if you're going out and you're running averagely, what, 18 mile a day with a morning run of six mile and then 10, 12 mile in the evening, you eat what you want as you want because you ain't going to get fat, are you? All right. And you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to um, therefore be short of fuel when you come to your next run. It's a very refreshing answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the problem is now, Dave, I live by that rule now and the Taliban driver sometimes comes to our house two or three times an evening by the time the kids have ordered something. And have I, I've ordered something. Um, it's, <laughs> the, the driver's coming quite often. Dave's straight on the Just Eat app now ordering while he's doing <laughs> <laughs> Next one from me. Uh, you've had a very successful career with lots of highlights. Uh, do you have any regrets? Uh, regrets maybe not I'd tell you if I had my time again Dave right and not that's not to say I'm <laughs> like coming to the end of my life but if I was to become running again and I tell this to my daughter if I could have gone to university in America and trained out there and, and done that side of it I would have loved to have done that I see now and I look at my daughter swimming and this kind of stuff she's involved in and I say to her if you get the opportunity to go somewhere, be it to a UK university to train, 
and, and to do sport as part of your studies or you get the opportunity to go to America because Donna was, she had a few offers from American universities, but obviously she was a homegirl, she wouldn't leave the village or what have you not. And now she's moved to the Middle East. Uh, but at the time, <laughs> not a chance she was going to leave home to take up any of these offers to these different universities who were reaching out. But I'm very much of now, if you get, if you get the opportunity to do that, I would have loved the opportunity. That. I see the experience that they've had and the, the opportunities they had when they were racing there. Um, which would have been wonderful. But I also accept that I didn't really come into it. I was 18 and I was really there 21, 22 before I started turning out any half-decent times. And I call them half-decent times now because I, I think um, I think we hit the marathon running scene, Dave, at a time where, yes, we were running decent times and there were some of the fastest times in the country for that year. But I look what's happened this last couple of years and the times are fantastic. So I look what happened at Wrexham the week when that lad ran 2.10. It was probably, I don't know, probably in primary school when I was running some marathons because he's only young, isn't he? Okay, I don't really know much about him. Um, and I think, well, actually, yeah, okay. Our times, 2.15s, the 16s, the 17s, fantastic. But they're not, they shouldn't be getting us on teams which are representing the country. I don't think, I honestly don't think that. And that's... That's not to say that I weren't very grateful of the opportunities I got to go to all these different races because you could run them times. But if I was running them times now, the boys are running like Tomo, 210, 211. Um, the lad last weekend at Repsom running 210 or whatever it was, a high 210. They're the kind of times that one should be running to get, to get representing teams. I didn't want to ask you about carbon plated shoes, but I think that leads me on to ask you about them. So, um, Clearly, they're having an influence on the times. Do you think? Um, do you think you could have potentially run faster times in the carbon-plated shoes? And, and what do you think of, of them on the whole? I don't know. I've got. I see all these discussions that are going on about these carbon-plated shoes. I haven't. I've got a pair. They don't actually sell the 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 ultimate ones here. Okay, they sell. Um, they sell Nike and Adidas and all the rest of the trainers, but they don't seem to sell them. Them shoes. Maybe there's not the demand for them. Um, but I've never never run in a pair. I don't own a pair. Um, I still actually quite like running my Adidas shoes that I had. Okay, but they obviously seen better days. Um, but there's no doubt that they are impacting times. I saw a, I saw a nice article the other day actually about have these shoes for the road done what the spikes did at the track? Okay, because the times now, when I look at the times them girls have been running and breaking the world record, so Beth and a few other girls this last week or two have been running, what, mid-14s for 5K on the road in these shoes. You think, okay, has it just brought the track times onto the road because of the technology? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, what I do know is them shoes are quite expensive and um, I might buy a pair back in the summer. But the way I'm running, I'm going to need a pair for my feet, a pair for my hands and a pair anywhere else I can strap them on me so we can... <laughs> Knock down the times because if they're knocking so many percent off, I could do with three or four pairs on me. Final question from me, Andy. Uh, what do you miss most about the UK? Oh, you, Dave, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your face when I go in up and I know up and running's not there anymore. All sweatshops not there. I'd probably have to travel all the way to Yorkshire now to get um, a bit of Dave discount. Um, but um, what what do I miss the most about the UK in terms of running? Being able to go out and do a run and not sweat to death because we're just approaching silly season now here where most days it'll be 35 plus. In a month, it'll be 45 plus. And then when we get to July, August, September, it'll be 49, 50 most days during the daytime. And the only difference between the daytime and the evening time is one's light and one's dark because at night it's still as hot. But So you get a choice in summer here. You get a choice of either running the daytime and die in the heat or you can run at the night time when it's dark and it goes dark every night, half five, six o'clock. So it's not, you're not waiting long for it to go dark or you run in the dark and you die in the humidity. So it's however you want to die, really. Do you want to die and burn to death or do you want to die of dehydration and humidity? Um, so what I miss the most about the UK is being able to get out, go up Doctor's Gate in the back of Glossop, run across the tops over towards um, Hayfield, dropping down into Hayfield, then coming back across um, and picking up the top of Charlesworth area and dropping down, things like that, being able to do that, knowing, well, it doesn't matter, even if it's rainy, it's not going to be too cold. It's never actually that bad. It's never been that hot that you've had to stop on a run. Or even in summer now, Dave, here, don't tell anyone, but I either carry a camelback with me because it's that hot, okay, or you do 
short loop so you can nip back and get a drink. But even if you take your camel back with you and it can be frozen when you set off, within five minutes, it's red hot and it's like drinking a hot cup of tea. So things like that, being able to miss stuff like that. And missing up for group runs, Sunday morning, meeting at your house or meeting at our house, wherever it might have been, um, getting out there for a group run, discussing what's been going on, running from ours, calling at Greenies, picking Greenie and Raven up, and then carrying on up to Dovestones and things like that, or meeting at Hardman's house for a, a quick 20k, um, whatever it might be. And there we go again, you see, that's the effect of living out here. Everything's in Ks now. So, And I think everything's in Ks now because I say 20k, where actually that would have been 20 mile back in the day, wouldn't it? <laughs> just, just the numbers just sound greater. So, based on your answer, we shouldn't be complaining about the rain we're having at the moment, Sean. No, is it wet? Yeah. yeah, yeah we had a cloudy day. It was cloudy one day last week. Uh, right, that's it from me, Andy. I've got a couple of questions from uh, listeners. Uh, so, firstly, Alan Vaughan, who I think you know. Yeah, uh, very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Alan's asked, would you feel safe running down Snowdon these days with the amount of walkers on the course? Um, I presume he's meaning on race day rather than just on a random Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I think so. They get out your way, don't they? Um, if they don't get out your way, there's going to be a hell of a crash. Never had a real an issue on there. Um, we've had some fantastic races. Remember the year when we raced Murray Strain on there? And it was a proper race that year. We were passing me and Murray all the way down each other. People move out of the way. I believe it's a lot busier now at the top. And then the next questions come from John Ford. John's asked, how did you come across Raz for Clan Doghead, is it? Yes. And do you have any memories from the race? Um, I came across, I'm, I'm sure I was still at East Cheshire at the time, and it's in the middle of nowhere, Dave. It's a little village in Wales where there's not a great deal there. There might be like a, a little shop and a, a very small school, and the rest of it's just is proper Welsh. It's, it's just just a really, really nice place. And again, it was at the time where one would look for a race and go, well, there's a race and it's only an hour and a half away. Let's go for it. Let's just jump in the car and go and, and drive down there. And that's my memory of it. I remember it being very, very friendly and running out some really good climbs, a road race, really, really good climbs. And their play to the organisers, they've always asked us to go back and I'd always try and try and get back there, but I just never, ever got back there. But I do have some fond memories of it. Brilliant. Okay, that concludes all our questions for this episode. Thank you so much to Andy for joining us. Uh, much appreciated. Okay, thank you very much, everyone, and all the best we are running. Good luck with that marathon, Gav. Uh, keep keep healthy, everyone, and I'd like to say if I get back in summer, we'll have a race, but maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just go for a steady run, yeah? That'd be awesome. That's it for this episode. Our next episode, we'll be interviewing a local runner from Greenfield, who runs for Salford Harriers. We'll be interviewing Kate Knox. So get your questions in for Kate. And remember, go hard or go home.